Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. The book of John chapter, chapter 20, reading with verse 1. Amen. We've got a right to celebrate. Last week we celebrated resurrection. We celebrated again today. He's alive. Somebody shout, He is alive. He's not hanging on a cross. He's not buried in a tomb. He's alive right now and He's in this room. How many believe that? He's here. Jesus is in this room right now. And whatever you need, He can fix. He can take care of. There's this great verse that says, cast all your care on him for he careth for you. You've got to understand that God cares about your situation. He cares. Nothing too small, nothing too great for God to fix. You just got to believe it. The Bible says his arm is not short that he cannot reach. His eyes not dim that he cannot see and his ears not dull that he cannot hear. When you pray, he hears, he sees where you're at and he can pull you up out of that situation. Amen. The Bible says he picked me up out of a horrible pit. You might be wondering why are there so many people exuberant, clapping their hands and crying and shouting because we know what God can do. He picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. Somebody say amen. John chapter 20, verse 1. All of those watching online today, we welcome you to the Anchor Church. All of those that are here, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. John chapter 20, verse 1 reads, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. When it was yet dark under the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher, she came early to prepare the body of the Lord. He had been buried the day before. She came to anoint the bodies as Jews would with certain myrrhs and spices. And when she got there, uh, when she got to prepare the body, the stone was rolled away. Not the day before, but when she got there. It says, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. He's gone. And we know not where they have laid him. Mary didn't even think of the resurrection. Nobody had stolen his body. He was gone. He was alive. He's resurrected. Somebody shout, he's alive. Verse 3 says, Peter therefore went forth and the Oh, I just feel like saying it again. He's alive. I said the Lord is alive. He's not dead. He's yet alive. The old song says I can feel him in my hands. I can feel him in my feet. I feel him in my heart. I feel him all over me. Somebody shout, God's not dead. He's alive. Get a little hum in your voice. Say, mm-hmm. God's not dead. That was terrible. No wonder some of you haven't joined the choir. He's not dead. He's yet alive. Paul said, if he had not resurrected, our faith would be in vain. 
Every song would be in vain. Every prayer would be in vain. But because he's alive, everything we do, everything we believe in, every prayer we pray, every time I praise him, something happens because he responds. He inhabits the praises of his people. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, speaking of John, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together. The other disciple did outrun Peter. Notice who was writing. John. Talking about John. He just had to throw it in there. I outrun him. It's in there. He mentions it several times. But he says, he said, and, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the I just want you to know I was the first one there. Then came Simon Peter following him and went, he passed him up. Went to the sepulcher and see it, the linen clothes. He stopped at the sepulcher. Simon Peter went into the sepulcher. When he gets in there, he sees the clothes Jesus was wrapped in and the napkin that was about his head not lined with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. He's describing what he saw. Simon Peter said, when I went in there where the Lord had laid, there was his grave clothes. He said separately from that there was, there was a um, the, the napkin that was on his face was on his head was laid to the side. I'd like to simply preach from this portion of scriptures today simply grave clothes grave clothes. Would you clap your hands and give God glory? The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Clap your hands all you people and shout with a voice of triumph. We've come to celebrate him. We've come to celebrate the Lord today. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It was simply here that we find that Jesus, Jesus had died on the cross. He was buried in a grave and it takes time to describe that he left the grave clothes behind. I want you to know today that Jesus had, it appeared, some garment or clothes problem. The outfit that he wore was called a tunic. It was a garment that was more like a robe that went from the neckline with sleeves down maybe even to his, his ankles. There was such power in the garment because it touched him that one lady said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Some of you in the room might not feel worthy to touch the Lord, but if you can just touch something that's touching the Lord, it'll be sufficient. Can you say amen? I just need to touch something that's touching him. But I want you to know today, you can touch him. You can touch him. The garment that he wore was what we find in Scripture. It appears that's the only thing that he owned. When he was somewhere at the judgment seat, that he had been handed over to the Jews and the Jews gambled for his garment. As a matter of fact, they talked about separating it. The, the soldiers talked about separating it four different ways. It was the soldiers that, that ended up said, well, we can't tear his garment. 
we need to just cast lots for it. And in reality, it was like gambling for his garment. They wanted his garment. They stripped his garment, but they did not tear his garment because his garment was made in such a way it was made with no seam. There were not sleeves attached later and then this attached. No, it was woven in such a way that it was a seamless garment. That garment, what it represented was the garment of a priest that the Bible says that the garment should never be rent because of what it represents. It represents him as our priest. Amen. Somebody say he's our priest. That's right. He's our high priest. But what we realize, he wasn't only our priest. The Bible says, as John declared him, he was the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus became our Lamb. And when they turned him over and the Jews got a hold of him, they put 39 stripes on his back. He was bleeding profusely. They put a crown of thorns on his head and they mocked him and gave him a purple garment. It was like a sash that went around him saying in mockery, the king of the Jews. It was all with mockery, but yet it appears that he went to Calvary wearing a sash, uh, just a cloth that was around him and put the cross and he walks up that hill and they lay him down on that cross and put nails in his hands, nail in his feet. He's got the crown of thorns on his head and here he is nailed to the cross and they, they put that cross in the ground and when it shook, his hands tore, his feet tore, but yet at this moment, he is hung naked before everybody in that place. There was not garments covering him now. He was shamed. You know why he hung without clothes or naked on the cross? Because what he did at the cross represents what you go through. Everybody in the room probably has a secret somewhere that you hope nobody knows about. You've done something, a thought, made a mistake that somebody doesn't know. I can't tell you how many times over the years I've had just before somebody about to die they pull me in or somebody else in the room and they want to confess something that they have had in secret for decades. Can I tell you today that 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 you have in your life, that secret in your life, you can't hide from God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 it says that all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Can I tell you today that in reality you are exposed before God. Matter of fact, it's what empowers the verse before it in Hebrews 4.12 when it says the word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirits and the joints and the marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What you need to understand here today is God knows every secret. God knows every thought. God even discerns your intent. You might say one thing but be thinking another and God sees the source of really who you are. You can't hide from God. God. You can't get far and away from God that he can't see. He knows everything you do. Praise the name of the Lord. But it's what empowers the cross. Sawyer at seven years old. I'm, I remember he was seven years old and here we are and, and uh, his, his pirate ship had broken, made out of Legos. You know, let me just tell you something about kids and Legos. They leave them on the floor. And you find them barefooted in the middle of the night. 
You're talking about a whole new level of pain. But this pirate ship that he had, that we had fallen and was in pieces and he wanted to put it back together. What I didn't realize is going to take seven hours to take it apart and put it back together. If you have never taken apart Legos, when you do that for seven hours, there's a whole new level of pain under your thumbnails. We put back, that back together and we started super gluing it. They say that's a no-no in the Lego world, but that's what we did. We started super gluing Somewhere in seven hours of playing Legos with my seven-year-old boy, he said, Dad, what's the worst part of the cross? What was the worst part of Calvary? He was just a boy. Something happens when you get alone with your kid and spend a little time with them. They open up. And he said, what? I said, well, he said, do you think it was that spear that went in his side? I said, well, that could have, well, could have been that. He's already dead. Well, well do, 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 Daddy, do you think it was the nails? Daddy, Daddy, he had a little raspy voice when he was little. Daddy, Daddy, do you think it was, you think it was the nail in his hands? Well, you know, son, I probably had been, but I, I don't know. How about the nail on his feet, Dad? Do you think that was it? What about those stripes on his back? And he went down the line. What about, what about the crown of thorns on his head? And he's describing Calvary as a seven-year-old. And I remember thinking to myself, what was the worst part of the cross? So it made me interested, Brother Jeremy. I got in the Bible and dug it out. In Hebrews 12, the Bible says it this way. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame. The worst part of the cross was not the nails. It was not the spear. It was not the crown of thorns. It was the shame. It was the exposed. It was, it was, it was what was, what was uncovered. Because the Bible says that the weight of the sin of the world was up on him. Can I tell you the worst thing to deal with in life is not the knife of a surgery. It's not the pain of a recovery. It's the shame of your mistake. It's that thing you did you wish you'd have never done. It's that thing you said you, that you can't unsay. It's that thing you did in secret that haunts you in the middle of the night because it's shame that is hard to deal with. Am I preaching to anybody here right now? But guess what he did? When he went to the cross, he bore our shame so we didn't have to die shameful. He bore our shame so we didn't have to die with the regrets of our past. Somebody say, he bore our shame. And here he is. He has, he has he has cloth problems. He's got clothes problems. And here he is now hanging nude, naked on a cross in front of everybody. And it, scripture tells us that when he died, that when he died and he gave up the ghost, he died sooner than the others. It was sort of standard at the cross to break the legs of those that were still alive so they would die because you had to push your legs up to breathe. The agony, the pressure on the feet, and then the pressure on the hands and back and forth. And if they were still alive, they'd break their legs. But the Bible says not one of his legs would be broken. And so when they came to him, he had died. When they died, there was a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea, the Bible says he begged the body of the Lord. He had a man with him by the name of Nicodemus that has saved 100 pounds of spices to prepare the body of the Lord. The Bible says that they, 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 took, they took Christ. They, they took him and they bound him. They bound him with these clothes. But watch what happens. Joseph of Arimathea and, and uh, Ben, will you help me? Have you helped me before? You don't mind helping me, do you? 
And I know you've helped me. I'm just teasing you. I've used you a lot. You're going to be the Lord. I love this guy. He's got such a pure spirit. He does. Not just a good guitar player. But his hands nailed to the cross. Could you imagine it for a minute? Let's let you be the Lord for a moment. Could you imagine a nail through your hand? Put your feet together, just, just like that. Can you imagine a nail that they, while alive, and they laid them on that cross, they, they drove the nail through his both feet. Can you imagine the crunching of the pain of the nerves and splitting of the skin. And then they just stay stiff like that. When they, keep it like that. When they raised him up on that cross and that cross dropped down that hole, you ever, you ever put a, a big post in a hole that you pre-dug? It would have torn. You would have heard, ah! Some of you, Calvary, is just a picture with no emotion. Part of the problem. We don't understand the reality of what he went through. And there's a nail in his hands and here. And the Bible says when he died, his ribs, he was beat so profusely with the, the cat of nine tails, 39 stripes, that when the whip would have hit him, it would have stuck in him and would have pulled out until the ribs were looked like the cage you could look into and see the functioning even of his organs. Blood would have been running out. It was a bloody. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, there was nothing comely about him. The blood that come over the carpuscles of his eyes, of his forehead from the crown of thorns, that long crown of thorns. When they went out, blood would have just run over his face. It would have been probably one of the greatest depiction is from the um, uh, Passion of the Christ where it runs down and you see it, blood is over his face. It is blood running down his chest, running down his legs, dripping into the ground. And when you look at this, the Bible says eventually that when he died, and he dies and his body slumps, just slump a little bit. When he slumps like this, he's given up the ghost. And there's a bystander by the name of Nicodemus. Brother Nehemiah, I want you to come be Nicodemus. I mean, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea, when he came, he begged. The Lord is dead, and he's begging for his body. Can I take him? I've got a place to bury him. Can I, can I do the post-service care? Can I, can I, can I do the burial for, for this Messiah, for Jesus? And they led him. And, 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 a, and a guy by the name of Nicodemus, um, Nicodemus came with him. Buster, would you come? Brother Gladman, would you come? And he, he comes and give him the oil. And um, he is, my goodness, let me, let me see the purple. It wasn't much. It was there to just make fun of him. That, that's, the, that's the reason that it was there. It was there to mock him as king of the Jews. But when somewhere they had already gambled for the garment that actually did belong to him, the tunic, the seamless garment that it wore, and gave him something just to mock him as the king. But he came in troubled by this can't let him stay in this condition because he's not just a lamb he's the high priest 
And Joseph of Arimathea came in and Nicodemus with him and he come and, and somehow he gets him, I don't know exactly how it happened, but he would have pulled his hand off the cross and when it would have pulled it, it just would have fell. Let your hand fall. It just would have fell. Somehow he braces it over him and they pull, they pull the hand off and it would have come off and, and then, I, I don't know how they carried him. Maybe he put him over his body. Joseph of Arimathea, maybe just toss him over your body there if you don't mind. And uh, That's the stiffest dead man I've ever worked with right there. I'm telling you right now. Hey, he takes him. Sort of looks like a tomb over there, but he takes him to this place. And the Bible says, lay him right here. Lay him this way. Joseph of Arimathea takes him and He's got a garment change now. It's garment issues that I'm preaching about. And the Bible says he gave him a clean linen. He gave him fine, clean linen. Go ahead. And it was, this was not easy material to come by, but it was valuable material. And the Bible says that he took him and he took off everything that had been on him, anything that, and cleaned him up. And guess what he did? He wrapped him with fine linen. He put on him a new somebody say a new garment. Why is he putting on him a new garment? Because the Bible tells us oh I feel like preaching for a little while if you'll let me. The Bible tells us in the book of Ezekiel chapter 44. It says it this way he said in Ezekiel 44 he said you can't go into the inner court unless you're wearing fine linen. You can't go into the Holy of Holies unless you are wearing fine linen because Joseph of Arimathea understood something. He's not just the lamb that was slain. He is the high priest that's going to carry the blood into the Holy of Holies so everybody can be forgiven. Can I tell you today, Jesus at the same time was the lamb and he was also the high priest. How many believe that? That's why in that same chapter about being naked and open to the eyes, the Bible says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin can I tell you Jesus is the high priest and he can be touched somebody shout he can be touched the Bible says who is pastor to the heavens Jesus the son of God therefore let us hold fast our profession can you say amen now we may have seen grace and mercy in the time of need. And Joseph of Arimathea wraps him up. Go ahead, keep on wrapping him. He, he, he wraps him up. Nicodemus is helping him. Where's that oil to pour all over him? No, I'm teasing, I'm not going to do that. They, they, they put this spices up on his body. Spices up on him and prepare him for his death. And, and here he is. Jesus is wrapped up up in the grave but something happened when Mary came on that morning oh can I talk about it for a minute when Mary came in are y'all getting him are y'all wrapping him up the Bible says they wrapped him they they wrapped him with linen it's not the first time he's been wrapped Mary washed, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger you know what that represented? That he's the lamb because that's what they did with the sheep. They would wrap a brand new perfect lamb 
before the sacrifice that was worthy to be offered, they would wrap it in a swaddling cloth to make sure it didn't get any damage. She knew from the very beginning, he is perfect in all his ways. Can I tell you, Jesus is perfect. He's the only one good. He's the only one faultless. He's the only one, amen, that made no mistakes. He had no shame. Jesus was not baptized to get his sins washed away because he had none. Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness because we're the ones that needed cleansed. We're the ones that needed forgiven. How many know in this building, we're the ones that needed a new beginning, a brand new start. Look at your neighbor and say, he had clothes problems. They gambled for his garment. They gave him a purple sash to make fun of him. But there was something about Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who he had appeared to at night and he said, you must be born again. That same one. They came and they wrapped him. Y'all right down there? Somehow he's smiling. I don't know how he's doing that. That's what he would have looked like. He's wrapped in a tomb. But something happened somewhere in those three days. He didn't stay in that tomb. He didn't stay there forever. When Mary Magdalene and 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 in um, uh, John chapter twenty, when Mary Magdalene came to prepare the body this third day when she got in there to prepare him it was too late because the stone had been rolled away and when she got there he was gone he was risen he was resurrected he's not here any longer He was out of there. Brother Nehemiah, it was God's will that those that die be resurrected. Jesus in John 11, I've never seen this before until just a couple, just a few days ago in my study. Jesus went to um, Lazarus' grave because Lazarus had died. Lazarus, this is several chapters before. This is time before this. Lazarus had died. And when Jesus gets to the to the place, Martha is, you know, a worrier. You can read that. She's cumbered about much things. She worries about everything. Jesus comes in. They had already requested for him to come because he's sick. Lazarus is sick. Their brother is sick. Martha, Mary, their brother Lazarus. When they get there, Jesus comes in, and guess what they say? Martha says, if you'd have been here, this one, he would have been dead. If you just got here sooner. I mean, no, she's complaining at him. And uh, she said, it's been four days. He's been dead for four days. He's stinketh by now. His body's already decayed. If you could have got here sooner. And he said, did I not tell you that I'm the resurrection? Did I not tell you that there's a resurrection that can happen? And he says, he says to her, take me to where he's laid. She takes him to the graveyard. She takes him to the tomb. And when it gets there, this is what he said. Are you ready? He said, roll the stone away. That's what he said. He said, roll the stone away. When he rolled the stone away, praise God, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And I like what somebody said. If he hadn't said Lazarus, every dead person in that graveyard would have got up because he is the resurrection. Lazarus, come forth. Somebody shout amen. And when Lazarus came forth, he's going to be Lazarus for a minute. Stand him up. Don't put him near the edge like that. Stand him up. When Lazarus came forth, this is what Lazarus looked like. Lazarus came forth. He was bound, the Bible says, in grave clothes. He's alive, but he's bound. 
He's alive, but he's tied up. He's alive, but he's living in the garments of yesterday. He's living in the garments of stench. He's living in the garments of what used to be. He's living in the garments of a mess. And Jesus looked at a man that's dead, but clothed in the wrong garment. He said, loose him and let him go. And this is what they did. They started taking garments off. And this man that should be stinking, this man that should be dead forever, this man that should be hopeless, his eyes are open, his lungs are are breathing. His heart is beating. And they start unraveling the grave clothes from him. You know why? Because Jesus had an understanding. I don't ever want to bring new life to something that remains bound. I don't want to bring new life to something that remains in the past. I want to set you free from yesterday. For he whom the Son has set free. I'm going to preach to you for a few minutes. You've been born again, but you're bound by depression. You've been born again, but you got addictions in your life. You've been born again, but you're suffering in the shame of yesterday's mistakes. I come to tell you, he's going to give you new life, and he's going to give you a new garment. He's going to give you new life, and he's going to give you a new direction. Somebody shout Amen. How you feel? You feel good, Lazarus? You feel real good? Oh, my goodness, because guess what? Now we're going to celebrate. And they did. They called a party. I know you're Jesus just a minute ago, but there's a parallel here, all right? You're going to be Lazarus right now. Oh, they had a party. They set a table. Everybody came to see this miracle and somehow bypassed Jesus. When they walked in, but there was this one that had found the good part. Her name was Mary. Sit right there. I'm going to confuse everybody because I'm going to have you to be Jesus and Lazarus and Lazarus and Jesus and Jesus and Lazarus. But, but Lazarus is there being celebrated. But there's a parallel between Lazarus and Jesus. How many know that? There's a parallel between them. There's a parallel between the two. What they both want to have in common. They both were dead. But it had been resurrected. And when, when Jesus is in the house, I, uh, can y'all let him be Jesus for a minute in the house? Of, is that okay? Where are you at? Come here. Come here, Mary. With your long hair. Come on. The Bible says that when Jesus had come in this house and Lazarus had been resurrected, there's this Mary, the, the sister. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, is so thankful that she brings an alabaster box of ointment and she bring me a bottle of water you get to douse your cousin <laughs> do you see that look that is if you do I'll kill you that's what that meant right there I can, I can see that hey she comes in, watch, she comes in worshipful. When she gets to Jesus, come on, Mary. She breaks the alabaster box. And she, I'll do the dry cleaning. She, no, 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 leave it on. Leave it on. See, I told you Jesus had garment problems. Right there's why. Hey, she takes oil and she pours it over him. Go ahead, don't be over him over him watch watch she hey man I was getting ready to do it and have fun myself but hey she pours it over him and when she does 
The Bible says the entire house was filled with the aroma of the spices. People in the other room said, what's that I smell? What's that's going on in the other room? And when they went in there, this is what they saw. <laughs> they saw a lady. Take your hair like this. Take your hair like this. Pull it to this side. And she gets on her knees. And she is weeping so hard. And she is, tears are dripping onto his feet. Go ahead, I want you to lean over it. And she is thanking him and worshiping him because of his forgiveness. She had been delivered from much, the Bible says. And she was so grateful. And somebody came in and started complaining. Don't you know Judas Iscariot came in? He said, we could have taken that oil and sold it. We could have given it to the poor and look at her wasting it on him. The entire room has changed. I'm going to stop and tell you something. You don't maybe realize why we worship the way we worship. Before you criticize somebody over there with tears running down their face and a little jump in their step, just remember that's their alabaster box of praise. They're saying, God's been good to me. Look what the Lord has done. Hey, I talk about it often, but my wife shouldn't be able to jump. She shouldn't be able to leap. She shouldn't be able to run, but she came because the Lord brought healing to her body. And that's what Mary was saying. If it hadn't been for you, my brother would be dead. If it hadn't been for you, my kid, if it hadn't been for you, my life, I would still be possessed with devils, but you set me free. She dried it with her hair. She dried her feet, his feet with her hair. And when it does, the Bible says no matter where the gospel is going to be preached, no matter when and where in the world, they're going to talk about the memorial of this moment of the worshiper, the worshiper named Mary. And he looks at Judas and he says, she's preparing my body for my death. The Bible says from that day forward, after, the res after Lazarus resurrected, from that day forward, they sought to kill Jesus. They should have left him alone because it was his death that's going to bring life to all of us. Because if a, unless a grain of wheat die and fall on the ground, it shall not live. His death was going to empower every sinner, every person that's had chaos and confusion, mistakes and shame to get up out of the lifestyle they're in, to never live that lifestyle again. I'm going to tell you, that's what the power of the cross was about. Amen. He died so you didn't have to. He died so you could be forgiven. I wish somebody would jump their feet and shout, He died so I could live. He died so I could come out of my cave. He died so I could live. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. They, don't, they can't prove it's Mary Magdalene or whether, whether it was this Mary. But Mary Magdalene did show up to the grave one day. Be seated just a few more minutes. You, you can go back to your seat with your wet hair and wet coat. Thank you for helping me. If you want to, you can pour that all over him later and just finish the job if you want to. Come here, Jillian. Mary goes to the tomb. Mary, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb because she wanted to prepare his body. But when she gets there, the stone is rolled away and she notices that he's not there. The angel of the Lord that's clothed in fine linen, a young man says, why seek you the living among the dead? And she runs. Oh, she runs. Let's go, let's go. 
Oh, come on, come on. She runs. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to tell somebody. And she comes in. She comes in and tells, hey, John. Hey, John, guess what? He's not there. He's alive. And John gets up and, come on, go. There, there's Simon Peter right there. Go get Simon Peter. Come on, Simon Peter. And, they, and when they hear that Jesus is not there, guess what they do? And you have to brag about it. And you run, outrun him. I mean, go on, run all the way to the steps. Go run all the way to the steps. Run all the way to the steps. John, John stops at the entrance. Peter passes him up and runs in. When he looks, the only thing he sees, he sees He looks and sees the only thing in the grave is what he was wore into that grave. He's not there. I'm convinced though it was a new garment, they cleaned his body up. But all of the lacerations in his body, there would have been blood on that napkin. There would have been blood spots and fluid spots on this. There was blood on that representing what had happened to him to cause him to die. But listen to me. When he got, I've had all kinds of people talk all kinds of things about the clothes. I've heard it talked about the, the napkin that was on his face was folded and left in a different place. And the Bible says it was wrapped. It's a Jewish tradition. I don't know. I can't prove that. I can't prove it right. And uh, I, I, I certainly haven't been able to prove it right, but I can't prove it wrong. What I do know is here's the question. What do you do with grave clothes? What do you do with the thing that you wore in that represents what you died in, what you were buried in? You know what? It represents your past. What do you do with grave clothes? Are you ready? Here it is. You leave them in the grave. Hallelujah. I said you leave it in the grave. You gotta leave the past in the past. You gotta leave your mistake in your you can't live in your past. You gotta move on to something greater. Come here, Jesus. Come here. Come here. I want I want them to see something. When he got up, unbound, unbound. You know what I've learned? Grave clothes will always leave you in bondage. Can't praise him because you're not worthy. Can't worship him because you're not worthy. Always reflecting on what some abuse happened to you when you were a kid, what somebody did to you in the past, somebody walked away from you, it like to drove you crazy, it drove you to an addiction, it caused you to become somebody you didn't want to be, and all you do is reflect, if this wouldn't have happened, this would have been much better, my life would have been easier. You know what you've got to do? You just got to get on your knees and say, God, it wasn't my fault it started, but I'm asking you to forgive me. I don't want to be this person I want to live this way somebody say amen he goes in the only thing in the tomb was his grave clothes you know what that means when he came out of his grave clothes he had to have had something to wear out. You know what I believe it was? I believe it was the garment that God gave him. I believe it was a new garment. I believe it was a brand new garment of righteousness. Can I tell you? You can be buried an addict, but come out free. You can be buried broken, but come out healed. You can be buried a gambler, but come out delivered. I've come to preach to he whom the Son a brand new garment. He gives you a brand new garment. Alcoholism died. You know what? Those garments represent 
The Bible says he bore our shame, our grief, our sorrow. And he left it in the grave. I got to leave my mistakes there. I got to leave my failures there. I got to, my goodness, I'm doing worse. I'm making you worse off here. You know what you got to do? Somewhere in your life, you got to say, I'm born again. I've been resurrected. I'm not carrying the abuse of my childhood. I'm not carrying the addictions of my adult life. I'm not carrying the mistakes of my teenage years with me. Uh -uh. When I come out of that grave, I'm coming out with a new garment. I'm coming out with a new name. Come on, everybody jump to your feet as I close. I'm coming out new. I'm coming out better. Somebody shout amen. God gives new garments. God gives new garments. You're here. I'm preaching to you this morning what I feel in my spirit. Born again and yet holding on to grave clothes. Born again, but still talking about things that happened 30 years ago. New life has been found, but somehow you made your way because now we're the body of Christ. And every time you go back to that tomb and you pick it up, pick it up, it's stained with death. It's stained with hopelessness. That's what death is. Hopelessness. If you had been here four days ago, it wouldn't happen. And now he stinks. It represents the stench of death. It represents the garments of my past. It represents with hopelessness. And you go back and you start talking about years ago and how that husband did you wrong and how that spouse did you wrong and how somebody walked away from you, what the parents did, what the parents didn't do, everything that happened, how somebody, and you go back and you relive in that. And when you relive it, you surface it all again. And it'll cause you want to want to do what you did that caused you to die anyhow. Sin. Reach for another bottle, another hit, another pill, another counseling session. Why? Because you're reliving what used to be. Could I tell you, when you, when he died, he was buried, but he left some things behind and said, all things are new. I'm preaching to you. You don't have to live in the mistakes of your past. You don't have to live in the offense of your past. You can be made new. Somebody say amen. amen. Look at Hebrews 6. Remain standing. Hebrews 6. I preach hard today and I'm tired. God doesn't want you to live in condemnation. He wants you to be set free. Simon Peter goes and says, John, look, he's gone. Only thing I see is what he was wrapped up in. He's out of here. I wish some of you could have that same type of life. But people say, you're not the person you used to be. You're happy. You're joyful. You've got a desire to do great things. Easy to be around. All that stuff's gone. What'd you do with it? I left it in the grave. Look here. I'm going to teach you. Look at it. Hebrews 6 and 1. Therefore, leaving the principles. Don't leave me, Jesus. Come here. 
Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go into what? My, my. He can perfect your life. Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from what? This is what I'm talking about. You come to the altar, here's what you do. God's forgiven you. You climb back to the altar, God, I'm so sorry, oh God, what I did 15 years ago. Lord, would you forgive me? I made some mistakes, I did some things. You've talked about that to God a thousand times. And he's looking out of heaven saying, what are you talking about? What mistake? What failure? What in the world are you doing? What are, what are you, and you're going back and you're reaching in the cave. Bringing up things that you should have left in there. That's why the Bible says we're baptized into Christ. Why? Because he died, he was buried and resurrected. The Bible says we are buried with him by baptism. And what that means is... I can trade garments. I can trade garments. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to trade garments. You're looking rough. Amen. Some of you got offended like, I, got, I really got to pray now. I'm mad at the preacher. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking rough. What do you do when you got the wrong garment on? Garment of unrighteousness. A garment of tongue lashing. A garment of sin. A garment of unrighteousness. The Bible says in John 1 and verse 8. Watch what this says. John 1 and verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to (laughs) cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Go back to Hebrews 1. Look what it says. Laying the foundation of dead works. Quit praying about things he's already forgiven you of. Quit repenting over something you did 20 years ago. Leave it alone and believe God has forgiven me. I'm telling you, some of you have been resurrected, but you're hanging on to things of yesteryear. It's time to leave them in the grave. What do you do with grave clothes? And leave them in the grave. I was preaching one time about forgiveness, about forgiveness, and I about forgiving others. The Lord said they can forgive others, but they can't forgive themselves. If I hadn't, if I wouldn't have, if I just, you got to stop that and say, I was a sinner, but he forgave me, and he gave me a garment of righteousness. He's given me a garment to move forward. I'm leaving the... Loose him and let him go. That's what I've come to do this morning. I've come to loose you and let you go into a place of Christianity you've never been. And it's a place of rejoicing. It's a place of faith. It's a place of power. It's a place of happiness. Somebody say amen. Amen. For he whom the Son has set free is free. Some of you got decades of grave clothes. Take them off. Look at your neighbor and say, take it off. Be done with it. You got to make a conscience decision. I'm not, I'm not praying about that anymore. Be the same thing carrying a dead person around for 20 years. It stinks. Leave it in the grave. He has something new for you. I want everybody in the room to lift your hands to the Lord right now and say, God, today's a new day for me. Today is a new day for me. 
Hallelujah. Preacher, do you mean that? Do you mean God can forgive me and I can live a new life? Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Throw it up there. We're going to close. Love you, Ben. Thanks for helping me. Are you okay breathing under all that? Like going back to face masks, wasn't it? Yeah. Listen, what do you do with grave clothes? Look at your neighbor and tell them what to do with grave clothes. Leave them in the grave. They said, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. You know what that means? Turn from the direction you're going. And be some of you. If you want to. Just the young young ones. The old ones. And be baptized. Every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? That means to have your sins washed away forever. That means everything you wore, everything that caused you to live that dead life, that addiction, that bondage, that misery, that hatred, that whatever, that regret, that remorse. He said, I'm going to let it be washed away from you. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 22, 16 says, why wait? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. You can have your sins, your mistakes, everything that goes with it, you can have it washed away. Would you clap your hands and say amen? Simon Peter, what did you see when you got to the tomb? Just what he left behind. My past was left in his grave. I want you to look at your neighbor and say you need to leave your past in the tomb. Clap your hands and praise him all over the building. I'm going to tell you something today, but you can't have your past remitted without him. Jesus said no man cometh to the Father except by me. What's he talking about? He's talking about that you can't go without going through the grave. You got to go through his death. You've got to go through his resurrection. Because he resurrected, guess what? I can have my sins remitted. That's why it was a commandment to repent. Everybody say to turn. There's a moment in your life say, I'm tired of living this way. What do you do secondly? Get baptized. Why? It's my graveyard. But when I come up, the Bible says you arise to walk in newness of life. So if God's forgiven me, then I'm forgiven me. If God's forgot about it, that I'm leaving in the past. It's over. It's done. I'm free. I'm cleansed and I'm healed. If you believe that, I want you to praise him right now. If you believe it, I am cleansed. I am healed. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody's going to be set free this morning. Somebody's going to be set free this morning. Hey, Brother Kevin Apperson, wave your hand back there. I've, I've told your story everywhere. You remember when I came to the nursing home where you were? Liver disease. They gave you six months to live, didn't they? And I came and I said, Kevin, I said, uh, I'd like to pray for you. Your dad told me about your situation. I said, what would you like God to do? He said, I'd, I'd like to live long enough to see my first grandbaby born. That's what you told me. I said, well, we're going to pray that. I started to pray and guess what? 
I, I felt led by the Lord to lead him to a closer relationship with God. And I said, Kevin, have you repented? He said, no. I said, this is what repentance is. I want you to repent. Kevin, I'll never forget you laying in that bed and you started asking God to forgive you your sins like everybody in this room has or should. And I remember tears running out of your eyes into your ears because you was laying so sick. Your eyes were yellow. Your skin was yellow. And afterwards, I said, Kevin, you've repented. Why don't you get baptized? And the Bible says get baptized. And we made arrangements, brought him here, got him baptized. And uh, I remember I got a picture with him. His skin was yellow. Eyes were yellow because of liver, liver failure. And uh, I checked on him about a week later. And they said they only had to take half the fluid off of his body that they were prior to baptism. They told me, said, Kevin's telling everybody, you need to go get baptized. It'll make you better. Amen. <laughs> hey, and I think the next time they took half of that. It was like so many liters and half of that. Until a few months later, I can't remember how long it was, they sent him home. They did a test to say, what happened to you? They, you know what they come out and said? It's a miracle. <laughs> Livers don't get better. The doctor said it's the only third miracle I've ever seen. Amen. You know why? Because when you repent of your sins and you go down to the water, he gives you a new garment. He gives you a new day. How many years has that been, Brother Kevin? Six years. Amen. There's no liver disease now. He's got another grandbaby on the way. I've come to tell you God is able. God is able. So you've come here this morning. You've dealt with some elements of emotions. Hear me today. Some elements of emotions that you're not happy with. You said, I know. I know life's got to be better than this. There's got to be something better than what I'm doing. I come to tell you, you've asked maybe for some months, something's just missing. I feel like there's something empty. Can I tell you what it is? It's Jesus in your life. If you will come and talk to him, he's not only going to forgive you of your sins, he's going to give you a brand new desire to live. The Bible says you can change the garment of heaviness for a garment of praise. You can change an old garment of weariness for a garment of worship to say, hey, I've never felt so good. I've never been so good. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around but me. I want no one looking around but me. If you're here today and you say, I'm, I'm here and I need a new start. I need a new beginning. I do. I need some change. I need, I need God. Would you raise your hand? I see hands, many hands all over the building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want God to change your life. Change your direction. Get rid of that guilt and that shame and those emotions you've had to deal with because of the past. I want you to come and stand at this altar. Come and stand at this altar with me. Boy, there's hands all over the building that went up. I want you to come. Nobody's going to embarrass you, but I want you to come. Because today's your day to have a new direction. Come on, that's it. Nobody's going to embarrass you. I want you to come to the altar. We're going to pray with you today. Maybe ask somebody near you. That's it. Come on down. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you feel like, hey, I was repentant, I was baptized, but I keep dragging that stuff out of the grave, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to come. I want you to make a... Matter of fact, I'd like all of us to come at this moment, following. Everybody come that can. Ministers, I want you to help me. The Lord's going to change everything. Press your way so people behind you can come, come, come in the altar area.
The only thing I see in there is grave clothes. That's why you get baptized. Galatians 3.27. Throw it on the screen for me. How many believe he came out with a new garment? Believe that? Galatians 3.27. Look what it says. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have what? You go in dead after repentance. But when you come out, there's some things that's not coming out with you. Every mistake, every thought. Somebody shout all of it. All of it. I'm coming out healed. I'm coming out delivered. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not walking this anymore. I'm not walking in the pain of yesterday's mistakes. I'm going to be. That's what he does. He makes all things new. If you'll confess your sins today, I'm telling you, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Every thought, every mistake. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So what do I do, preacher? I'm going to tell you what to do. Talk to God the way you would me. And ask God. Everybody in the room, I want you to do this. I want you to ask God to forgive you. How many's ever made a mistake? How many's had regrets in your life? You say, man, I, I talked to you about those secrets too. But when I ask God to forgive me, He's going to forgive me. It's His guarantee. He's not going to let Calvary be in vain. Amen. Brother Nehemiah, I want you to come lead us through repentance and talk baptism. Hallelujah. How many are ready to get, get it right with God again? Come on, you might have been in church 20 years, but hey, I'm, I'm going to get some things right here. I'm not walking in this anymore. Brother Nehemiah, lead us into repentance. Talk to him about it. Repentance is a change of mind. It's simply asking God uh, to forgive you of your sins. And God will never ask you to do something that he wouldn't fulfill because he's a God that cannot lie. God is lightning in him. There is no darkness at all. So when you ask God to forgive you, he's going to forgive you. And he's going to apply the power of his grace for you to have a change of mind. It's a gift. And we're going to do that right now. I want you to lift your heart with your hands. Just close your eyes. Would you do that? If you're able, just lift your hands. And like Pastor was saying, we're going to talk to God right now honestly. Because there's nothing you can't tell him that he doesn't already know. He knows every heart. He wants you to confess it unto him right now. Just begin to talk to him right now in the name of Jesus. God, forgive me. I'm sorry, Lord God, for what I've thought, what I've said, what I've done, what I've heard. The things, Lord God, I've allowed myself to do, Lord. Come on, just begin to open your heart. Hallelujah. I see tears coming down from your eyes. Hallelujah. That's all right. Take your time. Yeah, hallelujah. He's faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's what he's doing right now. He's forgiving you. Your heart's feeling warm. He's forgiven you right now. Hallelujah. I give my heart to you, God. I give my life to you, Lord. I want you, Jesus. 
Just begin to say that. I want you, Jesus. I want everything you got for me, God. <laughs> oh, God, create in me a clean heart, oh, Lord. Renew in me, oh, God, a right spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes. You believe the Lord's forgiven you? If you believe that, clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. We're going to talk about... Hallelujah. Come on, shout. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. And that's the first step. Forgiveness and repentance, a change of mind. Your mind is a sign of that. Your mind beginning to change when you ask God for repentance. It's a manifestation of that. It's the start of that. And uh, now by faith, what you've done is that you've put all of your sins by faith upon him. And that's why he came to die for the sins of the whole world. That's what brought death is his sins, is, is your sins. And he took them upon him, which brought death. You, by faith, you died with Christ. And what do, what do you do with the dead man? You bury him. So you got to bury the past. That's what the pastor was talking about, putting those garments in there. That's when you bury the past. Your past is washed away. Your, your sins are washed away. Your past is buried, never to be remembered of again. Hallelujah. And I can, I can vouch to that because I was in prison when I was 18. I was homeless. I was addicted to drugs. But all of that is washed away by the power of his name. When we evoke the name of Jesus over you, God is not a respecter of persons. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And today, don't leave this. Don't, you don't have to leave this place. Without having that burden removed off of you, you can have your past buried. It's going to happen today. It's going to happen today. Hallelujah. If you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, just lift your hand. Uh, uh, just lift it high right now if you want to be baptized in Jesus' name. Anybody all across the building, don't be afraid. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Do you want to be baptized in Jesus' name? We got one already right there in Jesus' name. Some of you are afraid. I'm just going to look at your face. Hallelujah, we have two right here, baptized. It, come on, we need to celebrate. Hallelujah. There's a soul going down in the precious name of Jesus. And our great God's going to fill it with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus' name, hallelujah. So we're going to and you might say, how do I know that's for me? Because if you understand it's right, then today is a day of salvation for you. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You might not have tomorrow. Thank God for his grace that he sends us a preacher to preach us out of a life of hell and, tor and torment. And that we don't, we don't have to live like that. God did not mean for us to live like that. Has anybody not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues? Raise your hand. Because you're going to get it today. Anybody. Anybody in the building. Hallelujah. Everybody's got the Holy Ghost. Spirit filled. And you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to pray and worship in the Spirit. And Jesus, thank pastor said, go ahead. So we're going we're gonna to praise and worship in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ for the souls that's going to be saved today, right now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Come on, that's worth shouting about. That's worth dancing about. That's worth preaching about. And testifying about, hallelujah. What are we going to do?
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.